0: This is
1: Indexed.
0: Welcome, everyone, to Indexed, the podcast where we dive into a band's discography and link it while touching on their history, influences, and their place in the musical pantheon along the way. I'm your host, Mike Scarpelli, and as always, I'm joined by my co host, Bill Bieler. Today's episode is IDX 8.0, and we'll be indexing the discography of Blink 182. Everyone, Welcome back to Indexed. Uh, today is episode eight. Um, we're recording kind of mid-April right now, so uh, baseball season has started. At least today is a nice sunny Saturday morning, afternoon, I guess. Um, usually I get excited to watch a nice Cubs game, but right now it's not that great. How about them White Sox? I know. This is the one, one aspect of our friendship between Phil and I that <laughs> we don't agree on. But at least for the last few years, I had the upper hand with being a Cubs fan. But now, I think now it's the White Sox time to shine. It's about time too. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I think
1: Carlos Ordonez being a an ill placed slider away from a perfect game, though, still coming away with the no hut hitter, which was crazy. But.
0: Yeah, was the last. There was another perfect game. Yeah, because you had that one guy. Was it Humber, Philip Humber, uh, so whatever had the perfect game a few years ago? Humber,
1: oh, oh no, that was like 11 ago? or twelve. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, Burley had one before him as well. Yeah. So in the in the two thousands, Sox have, have two perfect games to the almost name. a third. Yeah. I don't and, know when the Cubs had a perfect game last. Um. And yeah, there there was some. Hey, he could uh, he maybe could have moved his foot or whatever? Yeah. This one at least was kind of firmly on Rodana. It didn't come down to a an umpire call, at, umpire call at first base or something. Oh like yeah, that.
0: like the one guy on uh, Colorado
1: of the Tigers. Yes, I think it was.
0: Yes, yeah that that's
1: a joke. That was that was a bad call. I think uh, that was everybody's <laughs> best friend,
0: Angel Hernandez, on the wrong side of that one as usual. Didn't he? <laughs> didn't he just get? Uh, he like tried to sue MLB for like lack of promotion or something. Like yeah, he got it to a, court. It was a discrimination, right? They're saying, "Oh, because against. I'm basically MLB is being, being racist and not promoting me." But they're like, "No, you're just really bad at your job." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like in court documents now, and it's like, "Oh my god, that's that's so funny." Can finally finally have the upper
1: hand. So I've got to throw in current fun fact, baseball fun fact, that there are at least. 10 teams in the MLB that have scored more runs than the Cubs have hits on the season. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I read this one this morning. If you've had one alcoholic beverage in the past three days, your BAC is likely higher than the Cubs
0: team. Average. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I mean, as we're sipping on a beer now, I bet you that's probably enough to make it higher than the Cubs team average. <laughs> Oh, oh man. man, but it's bad. I mean, maybe by the time this episode comes out in like a month or whatever, maybe it'll be better fingers crossed otherwise it's gonna be a grim summer for great. me, I think
1: uh, but being being in your seat for uh most of the past decade, let's uh, we'll move on from it quickly and uh, <laughs> get into this music business
0: <laughs> yeah um so yeah, today's episode, like I mentioned is number eight. Um, so today we are covering Blink One Eighty Two, the seminal pop punk band of the what late nineties, early two thousands, I guess. Kind of that was that was, I guess, it's the heyday for them. Yeah, I mean it's it's one
1: of those. Um, yeah, I I grew up with them and have mm-hmm. listened to their whole career, and it, I was still surprised with how long they've actually been around and you know, on the scene.
0: Yeah, uh, they, yeah, they formed way back in 1992 um, outside of San Diego in Poway, California. It was kind of it was it was originally Mark, Mark Hoppus on bass, Tom DeLonge on drum, or guitar, and then Scott Rayner on drums, who eventually left in '98 and then replaced by Travis Barker, who everyone is familiar with currently, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, I it's always weird with bands like that. Like you remember hearing about them like middle school and stuff. That was like the big time for Blink. I feel like for us. Because um, I remember like Enema of the State, like people talking about in the lunchroom in like, I don't know, f- sixth, seventh grade or whatever <laughs> being a really big deal. I'm like, I don't know what this band is. I've never listened to this. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: my uh, one that's always stuck with me with kind of uh, <laughs> one of my earliest memories of Blink is, uh, you know, kind of heard Cheshire Cat a little bit. Uh, that yeah. was still. Semi-contained to their West Coast roots, kind of started getting them the nationwide attention. Um, then Dude Ranch took them even further, mm-hmm. and Enema of the State blew up. Yeah, um, so it was it was a, a Christmas. I I don't remember the exact year. I'm not sure. I think maybe Enema of the State might have just came out. Okay, uh, so that was my my Christmas wish list. Hey, I want Enema of the State. Album. I want the album cover with the sexy nurse on the front <laughs> So Even better though uh, In in classic uh, Parents style uh, They Christmas morning, open it up Get the CD uh, It's Dude Ranch, which I'm still super excited oh, for like, yeah. Oh yeah, I want this nice. I made the mistake of Immediately playing it uh, And oh. Yeah <laughs> i i had that i i was able to listen to that cd for about a day before my parents <laughs> they wised like, up returned it to walmart oh like, well, man. what it's, like, it's got the explicit
0: i was gonna right say did it label. have the explicit label on it mm-hmm.
1: um and i mean yeah this is when i'm 11 12 yeah. maybe so man you still gotta if, if you didn't buy it yourself and hide it you kind of
0: that's so right. That's that was, that was like the worst part about the 90s getting music. I mean, granted, I wasn't really listening to stuff that had the explicit label when that was like a prime thing, at least when I was getting music for my parents. So I did not have to worry about it too much. But like that was just the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, put slap this explicit. label. parents are like? Oh, no, nope, we're we're it's like you get the gift and it's like, oh, well, let's put it on. And listen to it together. It's a family like, nah, I don't think that's I don't want to listen to music with you guys. Yeah.
1: Um, and this this may be some made up history, but I think a lot of that was like bands like early Metallica and stuff that really started going hardcore uh, with a lot of their lyrics, and but were also huge mainstream. I guess. And then that early uh, 90s, you had like the major retailers. I thought uh, it was like, like kind of like the Maryland. I thought stuff, it was like a
0: tip. Was it Tipper Gore? Is that, yeah, that was Al's wife, right? I thought it was like mm-hmm. her kind of spearheading it and like. Marilyn Manson, like, because he was big in the early '90s, and I thought that kind of was like an onus of why that happened, I guess. But yeah, a lot of uh, that was like all the satanic messages. Yeah, it's like, oh, you brainwashing our kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, which I mean, looking back, dude, ranches. I, yeah, there's a lot of like the immature adolescent right. humor and stuff, but there's it's no it's, it's satanic t- stuff in there. Yeah. No. So that, uh, I just, I don't know why that's like one of my core memories from when I was younger is yeah. getting that <laughs> out and be like, oh yeah, listen to it. I like, what is this? We're taking this back It's like, oh man. Uh. Uh, so I never, I never actually picked up Enema this State, um, but mm-hmm. then, uh, take off your pants and jacket and stuff by that time. Yeah. I could buy, buy my own CDs and right. everything. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I never, I never bought any of their stuff. Um. I would hear it on the radio or whatever. And that was kind of about it. I think later on, um, I downloaded like the greatest hits after, I mean, that came out in like the mid two thousands, but I think I downloaded it well after it came out. It's like, Oh, I like enough songs. Like I was download the whole greatest hits and then just cherry pick what I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. So that was really my only exposure, um, before coming into this. And I will say like getting through all these listens, I was, <sighs> the only way I could really put it is like, I'm very confused by this band. In a way, because like there's the blinks that I'm familiar with, and I know the hits and stuff, and I'm like, okay, but for the exercise of going through and like listening to everything, having like rank it somewhere, and the way for how long have they been around and how many releases they have, I'm just kind of like, I feel like with my rankings, it to me it feels like I'm all over the place for some reason, and mm-hmm. we'll see when we get into it later. But like, I just feel like some hardcore blink fans, are like, what is up with this dude? <laughs> like, why is he like he likes this but he doesn't like this? He really likes this This makes Like it just didn't make sense I don't know
1: I I think that's kind of Where Even The the Or fans Like I I put myself In them being uh, They're one of my Top five Bands Oh really Okay uh, Time So it's why I was a little nervous Of actually Doing them I've There's a I've got a lot Of different Memories and emotions And stuff tied in with them Yeah Uh, But, yeah, even among a lot of the huge fans, there's a a huge disparity in album rankings of what people like. Mm -hmm. Um, They do go kind of all over the place from the polished pop punk and then experimenting, coming back around, Mm -hmm. who's kind of the main driver of the sound for an album. So, yeah, I would be... I, I think in general we'll kind of have albums in in the same range maybe of if it's Possibly. in the top half or half, but I would be very surprised if we
0: if we match on our rankings for this I okay. think it would be yeah cuz I had a hard time um kind of the middle of the pack is where I had the hardest time putting stuff for this mm-hmm. uh for these records <laughs> yeah I I
1: am coming in I already had a, Pretty yeah, basic yeah. idea of.
0: We'll just see. Yeah, pretty, I guess we'll see how heavily you judge uh, me then, as I <laughs> as I rank, as I give my rankings for this. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, there's there's something to like here for everyone. I could easily see mm-hmm. somebody just being like, "Yeah, I like this one Blink One Eight Two album, but I really don't like anything else." For sure, like, I know that's that's legitimate. I think with yeah,
0: what they put out there. Yeah. Um. So kind of some more on their history here. Like they <clears throat> they started. Just as Blink, actually, um, at least for the first record, uh, Cheshire Cat, it was originally released as Blink, but then I guess it got the attention of some Irish band also called Blink. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, we'll just, I guess there's some back and forth with the record label at the time, and like they gave them an ultimate, or not an ultimate, like a deadline, like, hey, you got to come up with a new name. And they kept putting it off, putting it off, like, oh, okay, fine, here. And then just picked 182. Yeah. and like, um,
1: Yeah, because it was, okay, you pick or you know, we're, we're picking for you. Mm-hmm. So they finally, yeah. Um, and it's, I know some, sometimes these dudes are kind of like, Oh, who, who's that other band? Like, cause we're very U S centric. Right. Stuff. But, right. uh, I mean, blink, uh, they're Irish, um, kind of pop electric band. Mm. They, uh, they had a solid run. They had like four albums. They, uh, we're up for uh, UK or Irish album of the year for one of mm-hmm. them and lost out to, uh, I think, Snow Patrol's uh, debut okay. album. So I think they're kind of in that same vein. Uh, sure. I, I haven't really listened to them, but yeah, it's not like either. they were just a throwaway.
0: No, and I act. think they're no longer active currently, but um, yeah. It's probably one of those things. I'm sure like maybe the early fans are like, oh, why do you gotta change your name? But it, yeah. the 182 is so entrenched now. Like it, doesn't matter, I think.
1: And more countries exist in the world than America <laughs> as well. Uh, and I mean, That's a whole other podcast, kinda, I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get sidetracked here. True. Um, so throughout their history, I guess there was some tensions eventually develop in the band, um, mainly kind of stemming from a side project created by Tom and Travis called Boxcar Racer. It kind of starts. It doesn't maybe necessarily start there. I think that was maybe a boiling point in a sense they do release. And so that, that project came around in 2001 ish and they still release another album before they eventually take a break in 2005. They call it an indefinite hiatus. um, Mm -hmm. And then eventually they get back together in 2009 after a series of kind of tragic accidents around the band, their longtime producer died. um, And then Travis survived a plane accident. Mm -hmm. Somehow like that was, it's insane that him and who was the other guy? Um, DJ AM. Yes. Adam Mm -hmm. Goldstein Goldberg something like yeah yeah it's crazy that they were the only two survivors of that plane crash so like it's a miracle he's still here I think Mm -hmm. which god bless it's great he's around because he's a great drummer Mm -hmm. um Um, I mean he didn't he he came out of that with like severe
1: second and third degree burns all over his body
0: yeah they kind of made him like reevaluate kind of their history and like hey maybe we should give this another shot essentially and they tried um They released an album back as a trio. Tom eventually leaves again in 2015. He kind of seemed like he didn't really want to commit, or he was only kind of in it for the money. There was kind of some weird, Tom's an interesting dude. He kind of wanted to do his own thing, I think. He couldn't commit hard to Blink anymore.
1: I I don't think it was like an only in it for a money thing. I think it was those passions started lying outside the band, so it to actually commit to a recording and touring mm-hmm. schedule. Um, and that's the same like the the break up and everything. I think it had more to do with, you know, from uh Cheshire Cat their uh of, official debut mm-hmm. album. Uh I mean, it was recording and touring like just I think they uh worked uh by the time um the I don't know, I still call it the Untitled. I think officially now it's self-titled. Mm-hmm. Um what I call it. They uh, you know, they all had families and had like their first kids and stuff mm-hmm. at the point and priorities just started. Uh, so Boxcar Racer, I think was another friction point and that may have accelerated sure. things. Um but yeah, it it seems like it was just eventually different personalities, different priorities. Mm-hmm. And, just wasn't gonna work. So yeah, me. it'll be
0: interesting if Tom Ever decides to come back. But in the meantime, um they picked up Matt Skiba from the band Alkaline Trio. Shout out to local Chicago band. Um and they've they've released two alb- albums since uh his arrival. And that's kind of where they're at right now. They're still touring, they're still active.
1: Um They put out um in twenty twenty they put out a single quarantine, obviously mm-hmm. based around stuff yeah Um, i believe they're working on
0: yeah i was just gonna say i think they are working on something right now too um so we'll see where that when that gets released or maybe we'll have our first mini so mini episode um if it gets released relatively soon this year so kind of else with this band um i know we mentioned boxcar racer as another or not as another as a side project they did have a couple other side projects that were announced during their hiatus um the first was Plus 44, which was kind of Mark and Travis continuing to play once Tom kind of branched off into his own thing with Angels and Airwaves, which was his project during the 2005 breakup. And I don't think I think Plus 44 is maybe still listed as active, but I don't think they've really done anything. No,
1: they yeah, it was kind of they they did the one
0: album, um, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. It had a it
1: hits, there was one song was I mixed. think that I remember
0: listening to. Yeah, that was decent. Um, then Tom is still active on Angels and Airwaves, I think, but he hasn't released anything in. Four or five years, I think, for an album. Yeah, they
1: they're still really together, and it's become more of like a broader art project as well, mm-hmm. um, above and beyond just the band um, mm. production. So, I think twenty nineteen they was their last album. So it was fairly. Oh, recent. was it? Was
0: it? Re- I thought. Okay, maybe I misread something um, on that. I thought it was. Uh, I didn't write it down, or maybe they were working on.
1: Uh, they were like kind of working. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. 2014 is the last mm. official album. Okay, uh, but then kind of like the 2019 time frame is like, oh yeah, we're working on yeah. some new music. Um, I think the uh, the COVID pandemic has put a, a halt on a lot of those projects that sure. are hard to get people together for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, obviously, Travis then has been. All over the place too So he started um, Transplants with Tim Armstrong Of Rancid and Operation Ivy mm-hmm. Fame um, And then he was traveling with DJ AM uh, Because they had kind of like a, a Hip hop uh, DJ set thing going At yeah. the time as well And then I think the only other one More recently um, Mark Started, uh, I think, with the guitarist from All Time Low uh, Mm. At at the same time that they were doing Nine um, it's was kind of going through some depression and stuff And wanted to get back to working, writing on music And was going to do a solo and collaborate with a bunch of different people Mm -hmm. Hooked up with them um, for the side Kind of become a full side project called Simple Creatures
0: Hmm. I didn't
1: hear about that one yeah, just kind of. I guess going in, um, some of the influ- influences we usually talk about. The last mm-hmm. couple bands have been hard to actually pinpoint when they've said direct influences, mm-hmm. uh, but this one, like right off, the, bat, the Descendants is one that's always talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also part of uh, what's become termed uh, Nardcore, which pretty much the oh, right. the SoCal the SoCal <laughs> punk scene. Starting in like the late eighties, okay, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a portmanteau of Oxnard and hardcore because uh, Oxnard, California, is the area mm. where some of the bands started in okay. the hardcore punk scene. Um, so uh, you got Social Distortion, Bad Religion, Offspring, Green Day, No Effects, Rancid, kind of all, all that kind of stuff. Okay, uh, and I think they're all intermingled in some of Blink's early influences yeah. as well. Hm. Anything from some more classic punk Ramones to the, the post-punk, post-hardcore, Fugazi, uh, ban, ban, Vandals. Uh, and then towards the later albums, you can see where some of their influences from like Cure, Depeche Mode, Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. also come into play as well. Well, we'll
0: definitely touch on the Cure one, I think, on the self-titled a little bit. Yeah, sure. The collab, but... Um... That's kind of all, I mean, I don't have too much more on the history of the band. I know you kind of mentioned you have kind of some memories with the band. Have you ever seen them? Because I, they played Riot Fest, I believe. Or no, not they were were supposed to. They were supposed to. I think uh, one year I was supposed to go, they were supposed to play, and then they dropped out, right? Yes. So I missed them whenever they came back. And I know they played Lala somewhat recently, but I wasn't going to Lala then. And so I haven't really had, I never like sought out to go see them. So like it would have been for me, it'd be more like, Oh, they're playing Riot Festival. I'm like, Yeah, I'll go see them then because, like, mm-hmm. I'd enjoy it. But I mean, I, so I've never seen them, but yeah, that's kind of the only scenario I guess I'd go see them now. I think, um, yeah, and i I'm, so I missed out
1: when they were kind of that original stretch, uh, and they officially broke up in 2005, so mm-hmm. like three, four, oh, three, oh, four is their last time touring, um, and didn't. Get out to see them yeah. at any of those points, uh, but then for neighborhoods uh, when they went on tour to start supporting that in 2011, they played the uh, the 10 year anniversary of the Honda Civic tour. Um, mm. So I saw them at Tinley Park uh, with Manchester Orchestra and My Chemical Romance. Nice, um, and then saw them again at Tinley Park in 16. I think uh, right after california one okay. on tour. So I've, so I've seen both original lineup
0: well oh nice yeah yeah with core uh, core lineup i guess right. not, not original but right. that
1: and with uh
0: Skiba Sce- 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 is Sceba. it skyba Skiba skyba i don't know sorry sorry in advance uh <laughs> mr insert correct pronunciation yeah. here that's, that's one of those i always forget and i say it both ways every, every <laughs>
1: time i go back i
0: just it. checked the wiki there is no like pronunciation thing on his name so uh Yeah Apologies in advance I'm sticking with Skibo for now Please correct me If I'm wrong And then In uh,
1: Yeah We should We should get that right Being in Chicago <laughs> uh. Yeah um, uh, But then yeah 2019 They Set on to play Riot Fest again And that was To play uh, Enema of the State In full So they did an album Play of Enema of the State Wait
0: that was 2019 Riot Fest? Yeah why didn't I? Oh, was I at a wedding? That's what oh, was. Oh, yeah. I think you missed the last day or something. I did. That. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I was like, in like, 2019, I was around. So, like, why would I miss that? I think I was at a friend's. I had a friend's wedding that weekend. Or no. Uh, it was a bachelor party. I think yeah. I was at a bachelor party. That's what it was. Because I went to 18. Was that the Weezer year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was Weezer. Yeah, it was what was the headline that year? I don't even remember. Well, regardless, I think they were supposed to play that year. And then they kind of. Dropped out for some reason.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Travis yeah w- got injured or something. Yeah, I'll that say. sounds about right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's right. I missed the nineteen yard. <sighs> but yeah, that it would that one was interesting because they're playing Animate the state, but now uh, Matt's in the right. Band, not so Tom. you really were able to see what the difference in Matt replacing mm-hmm. Tom was. Um, and I've got my opinions on that, which we'll obviously get, <laughs> we'll to get you, down to that. Um, okay. In the last albums, Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was that the both, both times. I think the, the second time they played Tinley park ground was with all American rejects and a day to remember, um, a day to remember. I was actually pleasantly surprised with, I'd never mm-hmm. really listened to their stuff, but they were, uh, they were more like, uh, Hardcore metal influenced, uh, then mm. kind of I thought they were just gonna be another pop punk kind yes, of thing, yeah, sugary sweet pop punk act. So they, sure. they're cool uh, both times because of uh planning with other people and going in a big group, missed the opening acts, mm. which is a little upset about, but at least all American rejects. I was, in the parking lot for us, so I could hear some of that. So, okay, coming up. yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Blink, I was there for in 2011. MCR was there at the time. Uh, yeah, and looking back, I was like, oh, I have seen Chemical Romance. <laughs> I didn't think I I would, because we're uh, they just rescheduled their tour dates. Again yeah, for this year. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna play a re- their one reunion at Riot Fest
0: 2022. Riot Fest, shout out.
1: Um, but yeah, I think. I uh, I pissed off my girlfriend at the time a little bit with that one because after <laughs> with blink coming up like the MCR one I just didn't care the whole time I was oh, just yeah. messing around yeah and probably being a bit pay a attention bit to mad, the music Phil
0: this is important and emotional get um, in touch with your feelings
1: yeah I mean blink blink was the only real reason I was there yeah and they've always I know they've been known for their stage presence and their mm-hmm. shows from kind of their early days so yeah. They're, they were fun to see. The original lineup was Travis.
0: That. I remember hearing like Travis would do some kind of thing. They would like rig up his kit where he would like they would like flip him around, essentially, or something like that. Was that going on at that tour? That might have been earlier. So, I
1: don't remember if they did old tour, but the the encore started with an extended Travis mm-hmm. drum solo. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, they had a whole light show and a bunch of different yeah. stuff, which was really cool. Nice.
0: Um so yeah, I kinda I think that's a good kind of recap of where we are at this band and a little bit of history. Um do you have anything else you'd like to add or do you wanna say Um yeah, I think this is a, a good point to talk about Buddha real quick. Um uh-huh. Yes,
1: I would agree with that. Yes. Because we're not going to include it in the album rankings. Correct. Uh I know their latest album. Is titled Nine, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously we're only going to have eight. So what's that all about? Right, Budo um, was a self released demo. It is a full length, correct LP, um, but it didn't have a lot of uh, distribution. It's been re released later on, and mm-hmm. most of the band members.
0: Now, consider that their first Well, the thing is, official? when it says most of the band members, so it's Mark and Travis say it's the first album, but Travis wasn't even on the record, too, which is weird to me. Thinking about it now, I'm just like, mm-hmm. so Mark's still the only one who's saying, like, yeah, this is our first record. I don't know. That's a little weird to me, but I guess they're still the official entity of Blink 182, so they can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But um, seven of the songs end up getting
1: re recorded mm-hmm. as part of. Um, what we're counting as their official first release, On Correct. Cheshire Cat. Yep. Um, so that I mean, it's well, uh, it's. I would say it is a must listen if you're doing a full kind of uh, blink listen through uh, here and where they were at early on and get a sense of the band. Um, Cheshire Cat's pretty similar in sound to it mm-hmm. as well. Um, so if if you're unable to find it, I think it's pretty widely available now. It is uh, it's on Spotify and everything. Um, so I would start there, but uh, we're going to
0: uh, bypass it for Correct. purposes yeah. of our rankings. So don't get don't send us any angry messages, guys. But. I mean, it's, it's the it same goes. with
1: some of the. Um, I will throw in like dogs eating dogs was a quick EP they did right mm-hmm. after neighborhoods. Uh, there's some that'll include those in their rankings of the band and everything oh, too. But yeah. yeah, we're we've our
0: we're sticking we're, the LPs for they, you know, this one. We're trying one to so
1: stick far. to yeah studio released official
0: LP. Album, yep. So. Yep. Okay, so yeah, on that note, uh, we'll take a break here and then we will come back and get into the ranking of Blink One Eighty Two. Welcome back from the break, guys. Um, so now it is our time to rank the rank and discuss the Blink-182 albums here. So they, like kind of we mentioned in the first half here, they officially, I'm using air quotes I guess now, officially have eight albums, uh, starting with uh, Shushire Cat in 1995, Dude Ranch, 1997, Enema of the State, 1999, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, 2001, uh, Self titled Blink 182 in 2003, Neighborhoods in 2011, California in 2016, and then Nine in 2019. Um, so, yeah, we'll start with uh, 1995's Sheshire Cat. Uh, so, kind of like we mentioned the first half here, uh, half of this album is basically re recorded from the Demo Buddha. Um, <clears throat> I know the kind of the first two songs and probably the biggest hits from this carousel and M&M's came from that Buddha demo tape. And I think,
1: uh, not, not M&M. Oh, not M&M's. No carousel. Oh, okay. Uh, So yeah, Yeah. carousel, Fentuzler strings, sometimes TV toast bananas and Romeo and Rebecca Mm. are the seven, uh, that are also on Buddha.
0: I think carousel was kind of like their first, hit in a sense. It definitely got some, it definitely helped them gain some popularity in like kind of the SoCal skate punk punk type scene or whatever. That's kind of, that's kind of where they were engulfed at least early on here
1: yeah and it it's still a staple of their concerts um it's mm. often one of the encore songs
0: oh really that they'll play nice but
1: yeah it's uh and this was like mentioned released under the original name of blink correct? as well yep um, but yeah the uh Buddha and a lot of what they were doing locally with live shows and kind of the the fan. Energy that they were getting mm-hmm. caught the attention of Cargo, which was pretty much the the independent label of that SoCal area. Yeah. Um, if you're starting and you well, like, get it, signed with them.
0: Right. But also, like, they were the biggest label, but it seemed like the scene wasn't still that big, which seems it's kind of a weird. I guess oxymoron in a sense. That's true. But. um. But yeah, blink and I think eventually I think bands like NoFX and The Offspring kind of helped grow that scene and blow it up where mm. it is today, basically. Definitely.
1: Off and off of this, they toured the states, um, but were financially unable to go on the Australian leg of the tour. Mm. It was um, it was like a. I don't know if surf videos are still big. Maybe they are in California, but it's was like when surfing was huge. I think it was a bunch of music that bands and music that were put together for like a surf, uh, yeah, surf highlight video and everything went on tour. Um, but members of Pennywise at the time, who uh, who'd already kind of gotten to the next level in mm-hmm. the scene, were playing um, shows across the country and things like warp Tour. Uh, Felt so strongly about them They paid for their airfare To go to Australia And then pushed uh, to make Warp Tour
0: Sign them for the following year That was kind of the springboard Good job Pennywise They saw saw it Before anyone else I guess Um, So yeah this album kind of in general Seems a bit unpolished I guess Which kind of makes sense It's early on Having that skate punk punk vibe Also I think is part of that thing Plus it seems like Cargo uh, didn't really want to invest too much in the band because there were some interviews or some statements from Tom saying like, yeah, they basically made like this grilled cheese imprint to like separate us from the rest of the label. Cause they didn't really care about us kind of thing. Yeah. So it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of investment in the sound, or at least for the recording of the album. But I still, I mean, it comes through like not bad, I think in general.
1: And it was, it was mostly recorded live. With very few retakes too Mm. So I think that adds to the raw feel Coupled with the lo-fi production Mm -hmm. of it Yeah Um, And then, yeah It it starts their theme of Most of their lyrics being Strongly autobiographical Mm. Um, And early on especially I mean, this this whole album Is clearly uh, Written by teenagers for teenagers oh, 100%. You know, just coming out of high
0: school, very sophomoreic lyrics, and and
1: yeah. the, a lot of hormones, masturbation, candy, any of those great, uh, topics that you'd love to love to talk about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that, that lyric type kind of, it lingers for a while not lingers. It, it definitely sticks around for a while, but it kind of is their vibe in a sense. I don't know. Like it's, it, it's part yeah. of their, it's, Part of their thing It's not a shtick But it's like Yeah It's just blank Essentially Right Yeah
1: I mean that'll they, They'll they mature Throughout the albums We'll get to mm-hmm. and, But they'll They'll come back around To it in spots And stuff too So yeah It's it's ingrained In kind of the The DNA of Yeah The band Um I
0: don't really have too much else To add to this album I, Just in general Like it's fine for what it is Good start Um it's nice in the skate skate punk pop punk kind of th- or not pop pop punk just skate punk and punk um, type sound. But mm-hmm. uh, for me personally, it didn't do a whole lot. I I like more of the later albums, but that's kind of where I'm at with this. I don't know.
1: It's yeah. yeah, It's uh, I mean it, it gives you a good sense of who the band is and mm-hmm. what their potential it, where they're going to go with it and become. Um, it is the that West Coast. Punk is a lot different than some of the it's East Coast punk or some of the other punk. You think about it's it. it's less um, grimy. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's more it's more melodic, upbeat. I mean, it reflects yeah. kind of the sunny nature of California. Oh, I think. for sure. Um, so I know that that's caused some friction and some pushback with punk fans, but and ultimately, mm. punk is about bringing different communities together and mm-hmm. reason to rally around. Uh, the hard-driven paced guitar that may not be the most polished. Uh, so it's definitely, they're definitely going to always be more poppy than you know, the late 70s, 80s punk right? Bands. But that influence is there, uh, and it this sets the stage for them. Carousel, M&M's, are classic. Mm-hmm. Um, Romeo and Rebecca is a great one. And then Benoit Ball's and Depends are kind of... The first one. Yeah. Depends just
0: kind of, (laughs) yeah. Going to their real
1: childish ones. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they have the after tracks that they just joking around in the studio. and stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I think I'm kind of tapped out on this one. Ranking time. Yep. Okay. Uh, whatever. I'll go first on this one, I guess. Uh, so for this one, I put it at number six. I think it's still, it's solid for what it is. And I think having, it's still like the original quote unquote, original trio. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's a good base. I think I use this a lot. It's a good base and it kinda it's definitely like my float point of like, all right, this is kinda is it when I was listening to other stuff I'm like is it better than Sheshire Cat or not? That was mm-hmm. kind of where I figured stuff out. So So now I am
1: starting to be intrigued
0: because
1: that's pretty much exactly what I did and Uh-oh. put it in six. And <laughs> 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 I kinda thought, uh based a lot of everything else on that.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, now we're going to jump to 1997's dude ranch. So, uh, this is their first major label release uh, on MCA. Um, they kind of, in some sense, rightly so, received some flack from the punk community for signing to a major label and selling out or whatever, but kind of reading up on it, it seems like, they were very open about their desires as a band. They're like, yeah, we don't care. We're going to do this. And I think I can't remember exactly. I don't have it written down, but Tom's statement was like, isn't punks more about like pissing people off than, uh, Conforming to your What is like Veganism He's like Referencing a specific uh, Like magazine Or something That was kind of Shitting on him Yeah So he's like Oh yeah like This is more punk Pissing you off Than mm-hmm. me conforming To what you want us to do You so, say I'm becoming The thing that we hate Right that You're the thing That we hate it's, it's a weird like Flip I guess I don't know
1: But yeah It makes sense As you touched on With the previous album Of Cargo I'm Giving them Some money And a platform But then also mm-hmm. be like They didn't Put much towards distributing them. They were no. happy for them to be like big in the local scene and yeah, l- live off that. And that's about it. Yep. Um, so this, um, it they did af- off of Cheshire Cat had Epitaph, MCA, and Interscope. Mm-hmm.
0: All making
1: bids for them.
0: Yeah, um, there was a little bit of split. I think. I think Mark and Tom were cool with MCA, but then I think Scott wanted Epitaph, I believe, mm-hmm. or Interscope. He wanted uh, Epitaph. Wanted one the, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, this was kind of the the beginning of the end of Scott with the band. Yes. Uh, he kind of lost some uh, some favor with the band in that and became less invested. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean Epitaph brought a lot of the bands in the region forward, uh Bad Religion, uh descendants, I think were both uh with Epitaph at one point, I think No Effects may have been as mm-hmm. well. Um before they they started their own uh fat records and everything. Um but MCA won by promising them the most artistic freedom, which right. I think they kinda quickly backtracked on. <laughs> um, but yeah it would be scott this would then be scott's last with the band mm-hmm. um for a number of different reasons but he, he had broken his heels oh yeah in a and a drunken stunt on the signing party and had to record all of his tracks
0: while on crutches in a wheelchair that seems rough to maybe place why well, I, I know when you're playing bass drum i guess you're using the front of your feet but still like having your heels down there a bunch and probably used to tap them around you can't i'm sure they were in a cast or something but yeah, it doesn't seem ideal for a drummer to break your heels. So. No,
1: I Scott's playing style. I mean, it, it fits on these first two records. I I don't hate it, but he is fairly one note. Everything's just kind of like the same mm. beat. A lot of cymbals and snares and yeah. the standard bass drum lines, so I don't think he was having to do a whole lot of Mm-mm. crazy adjustments.
0: No, because this still definitely continues like the skate punk sound a little bit from Sheshire uh, Cat, but I feel like this is kind of when you start seeing more of the blink. I call I, I make notes and all the times like I call it the blink sound. I guess like it, yeah, it's pop punk, but I don't know. There's something about it. I can't really. It's not a. It's not like pure pop punk at this point yet. So. I just call it like the blink sound. And like you kind of see little bits of it in this one. I think maybe it's just a difference in the songwriting or maybe it's a little more polished to it because there's more money invested in the recording, something like that. But, um, they do get their first hit on this one too, with damn it. It's all right to tell me what you think about me. I won't try. I love that song. I think it's a great song. Oh yeah, um, that's the one. I think most people are going to know that song from this album. Uh, Josie gets
1: played a lot. Um, Josie's name comes up in a few songs throughout mm-hmm. their discography as yeah. well, because um, a lot of what they write about is relationships and stuff. Um, that that would be another one. I think could be would be fairly well known. Um, might be familiar with Voyeur some When you hear it uh, But yeah there are uh, Damn it for sure is definitely That's the one The one that um, radio play kind of been all over the place. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, that basically got them. I don't know if they were headlining, I guess, at this point, but um, they definitely got more extended touring because having that hit, I think, helped a lot. So, Um,
1: yeah, because they did uh, this album did get up to 67 on the Billboard 200 charts and eventually went platinum for it. Mm. Uh, And it was actually Josie that uh, made it onto MTV uh, as the first kind of like oh, really? TRL
0: huh. hit for the band. Interesting. Yeah, definitely would have thought "Damn It" would have been the one um, for that.
1: The these first two tracks, they stick with that like punk uh, pop punk format, early format where you mm-hmm. know, sub three minute songs, just quick and dirty. Yep, a uh, bunch of tracks. Uh, So they do have 15 on this. So the album does still make 45 minutes of airplay, which uh, will be severely reduced uh, in the next two albums, Mm -hmm. which was a little surprising. I didn't realize how short um, some of these become. Yeah. They do have A New Hope. It's interesting, singing about some Star Wars there. So you can tell all of their lyrics are based on either what they're going through or their friends or their interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and fit the I think fit the fandom of the time. Like you can you couldn't listen to this in high school and not be like, oh yeah, I Right. I, you're Like I, I identify with, with this. That. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um mm-hmm. and the interesting thing of no, I first noticed it when looking uh, through dam- the Dammit tracks Or the Dude Ranch tracks Is up until The I think it's up until The Untitled The lead vocals are Split evenly between Tom and Mark mm. um, So they split writing duties as well But mm-hmm. I don't know if that was intentional Or just came about yeah. but they, uh, they share a Lead on Some tracks but uh, yeah, the it's either one the, the number other. of tracks that Tom has yeah. as lead and the number that Mark has as lead are hmm. equal throughout their first uh, four or five albums.
0: Interesting, I never noticed that. I mean, I knew I knew they took turns and stuff, but yeah, I never knew there was a equal split basically. Which I guess, in a sense, kind of works. You kind of feed everyone's ego, like all right, you get seven songs this album, I'll get seven songs or whatever. Mm. But um, um, and just.
1: Vocally and stylistically to their very different uh especially early on, I think mm. Mark was more of kind of the straight man uh vocalist sure singing and and Tom would be a little bit more uh, i want to say gimmicky uh, but a little bit more offbeat um, mm. and more of a defining voice i think yeah but i enjoyed yeah. both of them and i think having that works perfectly
0: for yeah the band. no it's definitely a good dynamic i know some people do like to kind of complain about tom singing because i don't yeah. think he's great live necessarily but at least on record it works
1: mm-hmm.
0: having not seen them i can't really speak to it too much but watching some videos I'm like mm, it's okay
1: yeah you got what i mean they especially later on they were right. you older for, too. Yeah, drunk for a lot of the uh, live yeah. performances and stuff, which didn't help. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I would say neither of them are the best uh, vocalists in the world. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, for Dude Ranch, they actually both had um, vocal problems while trying to record <laughs> this. I think some because of that yeah. weren't really trained and and doing warm-ups and during the whole
0: time. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, that's just I, they probably learned from this and oh yeah. were able to polish it moving forward. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. I don't. I don't really have much else for this. Are you yeah, ra- think, ready to rank it? Uh, think. Uh, let's go. All right. let See. See how if we, see. this is
1: where we start to depart. Yeah. But, uh, I've got Dude Ranch bumped up two spots at number four. I do too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. no! Oh no! We're going to have the same thing. Oh man.
1: I that would be that would be kind of
0: I this is gonna be wild. Know, this oh, is to be wild. I thought all this right. would be the one where we I was we feeling would it too. What, when you different. were talking about it, I'm like, "Oh, he's going to have it higher than me, I think." Oh man. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Number 4. Yeah, step above uh Shishire Cat a little bit and I think the hit helps the m- a little more polish to the sound helps. So having the investment in the recording yeah. um, from the label. And uh,
1: yeah, my my two, two through five, mm-hmm. um, I went back and forth, and there's very small things that were sure. interchangeable. That is yeah. where I picked them. Um, so this is this is more like four or five between the two, uh, and it, it had a little bit more uh, cohesiveness and just mm-hmm. the the punk sound um, of the early days that
0: yeah
1: I fell in love with. So
0: nice. All right. Let's we'll see if we can go three for three. Nineteen ninety nine, Enema of the State. This is the quintessential Blink one eighty two album. I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think. I, well, I think it's safe to say. Um, it basically huge. This is. I think this is the full embrace of the pop punk sound. You got all the radio hits like mm-hmm. you know, What's My Age Again. All the small things. I know uh, uh, What's My Age Again had the infamous music video where they are running through the streets naked or whatever. It's all the small things. It's all the small things. Damn, damn it. Long well, beach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, close enough. Yeah.
0: One of its. Um, but it, no, no, no. All the small things is the boy band one. Is it, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right.
1: Yeah. right. So, well, I, still, thought, both, I thought both it, it was mis- at the end of all the small things is when they're running naked down the beach.
0: well no in the in the West my they're running naked the whole time they're like mm. running through the streets or whatever oh that's yeah. yeah so
1: yeah it started in all the small things I right they, they continued it on first. yeah yeah and uh naked kind of was a weird thing they had going on for yeah the early career
0: yeah like reading about it i guess the guy who shot the music video he was friends with the band he's been with them for a while in a sense and like he got the idea because like Travis would, he would get hot essentially playing all the time in these club shows. So he like basically stripped down to his underwear. And I think market points would just play naked essentially with the bass in front of him So like, he's like, Hey, let's just make a music video where you guys are naked, essentially running through the streets. <laughs> and it worked, I guess. I mean, I think everyone is at least I would say heard that video. If you haven't seen the video, if you're a player, know about Blink-182, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, They've surprisingly, I guess maybe it's, Because we're in that weird transition of, um, you know, I mean, obviously this doesn't belong on like the classic rock radio stations and stuff yet, Right. but it's, it's not going to be on the top 40 anymore either. And even Mm -hmm. uh, like in Chicago, Q 101, every once in a while, you'll, you'll get like all the small things or Adam's song or something that will be played. Um, But there's not as much, they're, they're kind of, disappeared from just terrestrial just radio in a sense. Yeah. Stuff, I mean, maybe I, I mean,
0: maybe the newer songs, if they have a single that's getting pushed, will get on the alt radio, like a Q 101 or wherever you live, whatever that is. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, yeah. It's not like XRT is going to play Blink-182 or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, um which I, I, think is a shame. Cause that, this is a huge, I mean, this,
1: start this pretty much started the pop punk uh
0: movement oh, that yeah. became
1: huge in the especially in the late 2000s early 2010s mm-hmm. and to where it is now yeah this
0: basically gave all the bands like i was kind of looking up some of the other bands that were huge in the pop punk scene and like oh maybe they started around 2001 2002 but i saw some like a good charlotte or some forty one were both like mid-90s as well I'm like oh wow okay so mm-hmm. like blink basically gave them the boost essentially to or at least that genre, a boost to get more yep. mainstream attention. So,
1: because um, you had uh, you had Green Day that came out of the same area as well. Um, mm-hmm. Dookie was there for smash hit, ninety yep. four. Uh, so you know, just before Dude Rage and Cheshire Cat, but they stayed. They didn't get lumped in as much with the the pop punk sound, right? Uh, I guess they ended up going a little bit more, maybe like. New Wave and Alternative, but stayed a little bit more traditional punk. So they mm-hmm. kind of split off. I think Blink gets the... And even, uh, I mean, they even helped increase some of the popularity of bands like No Doubt and uh, Sublime mm. from the area that went more ska. But they, they drew that attention to that yeah. Whole scene. Yeah. But yeah, this, I mean, it's it's got the same general sounds and lyrical themes of the early albums. It does. Yep. Um, But you can definitely tell right away uh, that you've got uh, a much cleaner sounding vocals and uh, the power chord progressions. They focus Mm -hmm. more on the harmonies and melody uh, with this album than they did Mm -hmm. with dude ranch. Yeah. um, Which is where they especially then got, a lot of backlash from early fans is felt it was more, uh, packaged for yeah, radio, right? And, which I, I, I won't disagree with cause it definitely becomes friendly, but that's also why they are as big as they oh, for are. For sure. And, yeah.
0: and I think a, a major label has it. a lot to do with that too. You know, like, Hey, we like the sound you guys are going and, I, you know, I was, I didn't read how, if they dabbled too much into it, but I know they gave them creative freedom, but Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, I think on this first one for sure. Um, and they, they knew where they, they wanted to go with it. Mm -hmm. And and so where, so this didn't, this didn't feel like it was some undue influence outside of the band that put push this album. Yeah. To where it
0: was. Right. Right. I think they were kind of heading this direction in a sense. And I guess if we haven't, we didn't, we never mentioned it yet, but, uh, this is the first album with Travis on drums too. So there's a little That's bit true. of change in the sound with that. Um,
1: um, yeah. Cause he, he did, uh, he was, um, a supporting sky act with the Aquabats for mm-hmm. some of what Blink was playing. And, uh, Scott, uh, had there was um some a loss that he had to deal with i think so he left some of the touring early for dude ranch and they had travis scott um sub in him on some shows yeah and uh one source i guess he learned all of the drum tracks
0: within oh, like 45 minutes of yeah. the first
1: time playing yeah. a show with them which kind of goes to show how simple their their early beats and everything were mm-hmm. um, and you did you do hear that on the drum tracks start to diversify a little bit more definitely um, and and get a little bit more changes in tempo which will
0: mm-hmm. only increase from here. Uh one other song I think worth mentioning in this is Aliens Exist. What if people knew that these were real I'd leave my closet door open all night Say. Wish someone would tell me what was right oh, all night long. And wrong. And I think I know knowing now what what we know about Tom I feel like it's definitely a he's tipping his hand I guess a little bit to future endeavors oh, in yeah. a sense um, wow. I, and I think it was Travis talking about
1: it in an interview where he was like, "I mean, yeah, Tom was always staring outside the tour bus window looking for UFOs, and he would put together uh, Bigfoot search parties while they're really and so. Yeah, that was <laughs> always one of
0: such an Tom's interesting big dude. Yeah, it's such a weird thing, but hey, if that's your passion. Go for it.
1: I will also uh, off of this album uh, going way to. College, everybody should listen to if they haven't. Uh, It's kind of a good early uh, shows some of what uh, they they'll lean more towards in some of the heavier uh, sounds and different tempo changes. Mm -hmm. It's really good. But this kind of starts the uh, the track where, uh, you know, I know. Most of Dude Ranch and Treasure Cat songs as well. But starting with Enema the State, I can probably sing along to a lot. I have every song from here through. Yeah. Uh, they're untitled.
0: Nice. Uh, let's see. I don't have a lot left to add. I think I've kind of hit all the points I need to or I wanted to make. If you've got nothing else, rank it. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's the. It's also their their shortest, on this mm. one. So they came they came ready to play with this, and I think, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and rank. I think this is where we're going to start to diverge a little bit, but be in this
0: in the same. All right, rhythm. let's see if we go three for three. I have this at number one. Yeah, we're we're gonna be okay. Okay, yeah, I I this was kind of my instant number one. I guess I had this kind of locked in for a while. I think just this album is so iconic. Um. I, there's a lot of hits on this one, and I enjoyed the sound of it, having this early pop-punk kind of thing. You know, maybe if I reflect on this later, I could kind of be like you, would like, well, I maybe flip-flop it with something else now. I might mm-hmm. flip. I mean, if I go back in six months and reevaluate, maybe I flip it with my number two. I don't know, but we'll see. So where do you have this one,
1: then? Uh, this is this is at 3 okay for me but yeah this is the same my number 1 i mean going in i knew it was going to be my number 1 mm. uh, so this and and my number 2 are pretty interchangeable okay for me um I mean, yeah this i mean this is undeniably quintessential oh yeah album um must Listen. and then it's only number 3 because i was like the other two, the two more. more, yeah, <laughs> sure Than it being any knock against this to put it down Sure um, But, yeah, still uh, Still dealing with a lot of the heavy adolescent themes And definitely some immaturity I mean, once, What's My Age Again was originally going to be called Peter Pan Syndrome uh, mm. Which is like, I mean, this is their fighting against growing, growing up. up Yeah, right Album kind of It's a it's, Part of the repeat listens so For sure. For, for sure.
0: All right. Moving on to uh, their next album, 2001's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Uh, I never realized this until I was yesterday years old when I figured out uh, the plan words with this one. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> the the word jacket is supposed to be a uh, plan words for like jacking off, essentially. That yeah. was their thing. Yeah, I never picked up on that. Really? Really. Until yesterday when I was reading it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense now <laughs> i enema of the state had a
1: porn star on the cover and was like the classic porn parody of taking enema enemy of the state, uh well, yeah,, yeah, and then this
0: yeah, it was yeah. just never picked oh, up on it, yeah okay. I'm an idiot, guys <laughs> <laughs> He's sweet summer child, yeah, basically, that's me, um. So yeah, with this album, uh they it, it's a kind of a continuation of Enema of the State. I think that was kind of the input from the record label in that sense. They really wanted to push that continuing sound of Enema of the State. Um, and then I read something where they uh MCA came in and listened to a couple tracks they were recording, and they played them like their two jokey tracks and like MC like lost their minds, like whoa, 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 you can't <laughs> no, no, this can't happen. So um but to they, they do continue that enema sound, but they also have like a sense of maturity a little bit. I don't, mm-hmm. maybe I was kind of grasping when I pull in between enema and this and then the next album. Cause there is a maturity. I mean, they are getting older, so there is some mm-hmm. sense to that, but there, I mean, there's still songs that are immature on it. Like happy holidays, you bastard, like just a goofy song. Like just <laughs> no grandma ate 12 fucking hot dogs. <laughs> it's <just> like, okay. <laughs> Always shit in his pants.
1: Yeah, But yeah, I, I is one, I was interested to hear this cause researching this is the first time I had seen it kind of considered a concept album chronicling mm. adolescence. I mean, I guess I can kind of see that, but that's, this is not what I would think of when I think of like concept albums. No. Um, yeah. That, that are like a story from start to finish almost, mm. um, but it, it definitely is kind of the next step up where the last one was, I don't want to grow up. Uh, old, still the high school party and things are mm-hmm. going on. This still has a lot of relationship stuff, but it is more towards, you know, not necessarily just teenage love. A lot of this could be, you know, any, any relationships. Um, go some of it's a little bit more, uh, breakup. Theme too mm-hmm. Than like Starting relationships um, But it does have uh, Like you said it, it retains a lot of that Bright pop punk Tone of enema Yep It do start to add Some heavier elements With Tom's guitar And some of Travis's Drum tracks Which I think Was a big Reason Boxcar Racer Happened right out of it After this Because mm. Tom was really able to Yeah that's right That was that about this time yeah. Post hardcore A lot further um and kind of uh like Fugazi and and Refused were big influences mm-hmm. for some of this. Um so yeah, I think the the uh their manager at the time was the first one that they let hear the album progression um and i guess he was like oh that's good but where where's that like summer upbeat summer anthem catchy theme (laughs) on this yeah Uh, and that kind of pissed mark and tom off so like oh yeah we'll just write the cheesiest catchiest throwaway song we can think of yeah Uh, so that's mark wrote the rock show in like 10 minutes and tom similar wrote first date <laughs> uh, they are ironically or coincidentally or otherwise became the most successful singles. Oh, from for sure, album.
0: yeah, um, definitely got the most ready play of those. So that's
1: I. I, I liked that they started kind of transitioning, um, yeah, I with did too. this album to some more of the heavier, darker influences mm-hmm. um, as well. So, and I would uh, Anthem Part Two is great, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Reckless Abandon is One uh, that always Sticks with me for this album And maybe the best Track on this album uh, Stayed together for now I'd read it every day
0: Yeah, that is, uh, that's obviously awesome. good That was not a rotation for me um, from the greatest hits when I downloaded it. Uh, that definitely feels like that one and possibly even Story of a Lonely Guy could maybe play on the next album in a sense. Um, in terms of th- those, were kind of two I earmarked. I was like, hey, this sounds a little more on the mature, maybe not in terms of the sound, but definitely the content seemed a little more. Well, I guess when I say mature, it's not like just it basically just not sophomore high school humor right. type stuff that,
1: and yeah, the composition for these changes a bit more too. Mm-hmm. Um, using maybe like some minor chords, some different guitar techniques uh, and tempos and drum beats as well. So yeah. I think that's why it's kind of that transition album of them growing up kind of about to start families and mm-hmm. things at this point.
0: So it's funny. I know you, you mentioned the name of the track stay together for the kids in all my notes, and in my brain, I always call it staying together for the kids. Like, I don't. I add the ING for some reason. I know it doesn't make a huge difference, but, like, I just realized I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, oh, I wrote staying multiple times. When I'm <laughs> this guy hates Blink-182. <laughs> oh, man. I've been outed. Shit.
1: Yeah, but this was – you brought up Story of the Lonely Guy. That's another one, like, the time what? This was 2001, so 14, maybe freshman, probably sophomore year of high school. But yeah, I listened – it's a lot in high school because uh, there is, well, I guess it's only two years before the next one. So, like, early high school, this was the most recent album. Yeah. And it wasn't, I don't think it was anything, like, it, it wasn't meant to be an insult. And I didn't really take it at the time, but I definitely had uh, friends. So I was like, yeah, Story of the Lonely Guy always kind of reminds me of you. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I didn't even look at the lyrics of that song, but that, that doesn't seem I, like
0: a great, like, no, comment or anything. I mean, it makes,
1: I don't really disagree. It's more of those, like, yeah, didn't get up the nerve to, like, put yourself out there. Oh, and yeah. To date and everything. Cause I think it was, uh, it's like a uh, pre prom uh, type of song. Like, mm. oh, yeah, I had a girl of mine and just never, I couldn't pull yeah. the trigger. Sure. Uh, yeah.
0: I think overall, though, I think it's a very strong album overall. Um, it's yeah, it's it's just strong it's a good continuation of the sound, but also you kind of see just the maturity of them getting older. So I definitely um, mm-hmm. I definitely enjoy this album. I don't really have much else to add in that sense. No. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those I could I could talk something about each one of these tracks. So I don't want to
0: wait. <laughs> I'm diving into this that. turns into a five-hour podcast. Um, yeah, Phil but, breaks down each track of the Blank <laughs> Records. Um, Throw uh,
1: give me one good reason, real quick, before we <laughs> move on, because that
0: one I also like. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then ranking time. All right. I think I have um, an idea where you have this. Then based off, but go ahead. I think yeah. it's your turn to go first. So, uh,
1: it is, so uh, yeah, you probably c- picked it. This is my number two. Yeah. Um, moving. I liked the progression from uh anima where mm-hmm. it still fits right along in that as a follow-up. Yep. Uh but they do start to explore some more themes and branch out in their musical sensibilities mm-hmm. with it. Um and is also right at those formative years of, you know, end of grade school, going into high school. Yeah. Um and listen to this time with friends and everything. We always had this on background playing video games or whatever you yeah. are doing.
0: Yeah. So for, for, uh, for me, this is number three. I think, so this is kind of what I mentioned earlier, like how I felt like I was kind of all over the place. It, it doesn't make sense in, a, in that aspect. Like I like the maturity. I like where they're going with it. And I know it's a continuation, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of, for all the same reasons you kind of mentioned, I like it, but for it, for whatever reason, it just hits, it doesn't hit as hard as my number two. So, um, yeah, falls False of three. Still a little bit better than Dude Ranch, I think. Just I like this 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 run of three albums here. When we get to the next one, like it's a great. I think these are the three that most people should listen to um, for this band. Um. So yeah, moving on. Self titled, or you as you've mentioned before, it's also was called Untitled for a while. I yeah, when it first
1: came out, it was Untitled. I mean, I've always I I think there's some I've, everybody refers to it a little bit differently and there's mm-hmm. disputes of what it actually is. Um yeah, I think as far as you look up look it up anywhere and it's listed as a self-titled, right? But
0: yeah, so this is this is their last record before they took their hiatus in two thousand five. Um I think this continues on kind of the more mature sound. Like obviously like what I called the blink sound earlier. It's always there. But I think just I think they layered in some different it's almost like a darker tone. Some, I, I was calling it goth vibe, but you know, something of that sense is very prevalent on this record.
1: Um, and I, I think the, one of the easiest ways to kind of let people know what influence or change in sound you may hear from this is that, uh, they get Robert Smith to feature. Yeah. Uh, one of the last tracks, all of this. New wave, some prog. Um, I wouldn't quite say emo, but goth is probably a better some, some all kind that. of
0: like a weird mishmash of those kind of things. Though mm-hmm. it's not necessarily one directly one thing. It's kind of a yeah. weird mishmash, but yeah.
1: a darker, gloomier sound. Yes, to it. That's
0: a, that's a, that's the best way to put it, probably.
1: Um, but and definitely a focus on new sounds and styles, uh, technique. Whether it's. Uh, you know, bringing in like the brushes or
0: uh, a lot of the the rim rim drumming. Oh yeah, like all in yes. "I Miss You" or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that song is very for, uh, for different tracks. Case study on that. Um,
1: and then, like uh, I mentioned this briefly earlier, as we were talking about how they change, but by the time of this album, this is where all of them had become fathers uh, and kind of started mm-hmm. to move beyond the the strict adolescent themes and just the fast pace. Uh, mm-hmm. Power pop punk that they were
0: doing. Yeah, I think that power, that's kind of that power pop punk thing. I think that comes through early um, in Obvious and then also Violence. Those are both two songs that I never heard before that I really enjoyed um, listening <laughs> yeah, yeah. to this album. Speaking violence and he's to walk right on by
1: since uh started doing the listen throughs for this episode mm-hmm. uh it's it's the one that without even thinking I'll it's my I'll biggest earworm. it's my biggest earworm right now i've too. got violence just yep. playing through in my head i did
0: add it to our uh our, i kind of already created our next uh kbt playlist so i already added it to there because i'm like yeah this is going in there yeah <laughs>
1: But it did. Uh, this did split their fans a lot because um, mm. it was a distinct departure, yeah, um, from their previous sound. Especially if you weren't paying attention as much on "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" to where you could tell they kind of wanted to grow to. Yeah, uh, it, it. I could see where it would be a little off-putting. Uh, still successful, sold over two million copies, um, but then was kind of. Also, now is the beginning of the end of uh, again,
0: that kind of that era. Blink One Eighty Two, right?
1: The, the band is as we know
0: it. Um, I guess with this album too, I thought they had those interludes in there. I thought that was kind of unnecessary, a little bit. I I didn't need them.
1: Yeah, they were kind of like the hidden, um the one prior to Stockholm Syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, like the Fallen interlude. I was fine with that because that was still at least kind of musical and just exploring some different uh, styles yeah. that they wanted to play. Yeah, the the voice
0: track leading into Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. I, I, could, I could do without that. I could do it. without that. And that was part of the knock on this record for me a little bit. Like, I do, I love the sound they were going with, but just kind of little things like that. i was like, mm. kind of knocked it for me. I know we talked about that. Robert Smith collab and all this. Like, I, so when I saw them, like, oh man, I love The Cure. So, like, this, this is gonna be great. I think, in a sense, the song is, it's good. To me, it just seems like a misplaced Cure song that's on a Blink record. I don't know. There's something about him, like, I wanted to like it more than I did. I could see that. Yeah. If, if you see Robert Smith
1: and are expecting the, the cure. Yeah. I mean, sure. I wasn't expecting eighties cure,
0: but like it, it fits right. in the sound that for the couple records that were released around this time for the cure. Like it fits in that sound, which I get, but like that's I'd true. rather just like just I don't know. It was a random I guess they must have had a chance to work with him. So like, yeah, I mean I would too I if think, I was yeah. anybody. Like, yeah, yeah Robert influence. Smith wants to work with you? Absolutely. Um
1: I don't know. I, I I like that track, but uh I I miss you. That's the one that's mm-hmm. uh been memed of, you know, everybody waiting for tom's uh first oh yeah
0: where are that. you <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that, that one's always fun uh yeah i love trying to get as nasally as i can oh yeah when i've seen that yeah um but i mean down mm-hmm. go always um astenia is kind of interesting kind of almost Somebody ethereal instrumental and then kind of comes back around mm. to the sound of the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then I'm lost Without you they they end with uh like a 6 minute track. Uh but it doesn't feel that long. Mm. Um I, I, I this just hit for me. Yeah. Um, that progression into you know some experimentation some new songs still has that kind of core blink feel with yep. trading off the uh you know the lead vocals for different songs and different parts um yeah it it uh is just right
0: exactly what i think what yeah one at the time well i think maybe then we should just jump to our ranking sounds like a your little snaps there seemed like a good feed into rankings um yeah all right. I had this number two. I think this is one, like, like I said before, if I went back six months from now, and maybe reevaluate. I might be put this at one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think at least on this initial research and listening and stuff, like just couldn't, I couldn't quite get it over the hump. I think the interludes are kind of killing it for me. And maybe just being a little bummed about the Robert Smith song, not being as good as I want it to be, but this is still like a fantastic album. I think, uh, definitely uh, worth listening to for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I mean, obviously
1: then, yeah, this is my number one. I I had a feeling our top three, we'd have the same three in our top three, but not uh, exactly lined up. And I think we, we were as different as we could be for Mm -hmm. picking those three. Yep. Um, But yeah, I I think from enema to this, uh, they kind of kept refining the sound and just got, incrementally better each time Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the the emotion and the uh what went into the the lyrics themes for this one i think was just great Uh, some of what may also uh, have this is uh it was obviously they've got the big gap now we'll get into before uh neighborhoods when they they come back and that's in 2011 Mm -hmm. um but i one of my best friends i grew up with uh everything and this i mean this was blink was like our core background tracks for most of that sure uh passed away in a motorcycle accident in 2012 so Mm -hmm. neighborhoods had come out um Mm -hmm. But it was that was still pr- fresh. So this, I mean, that whole time, I, this was the album that was just always there for Blink. So I've got a lot yeah. of uh,
0: memories blood, tied, yeah, to, tied, it. tied sure. to it as well. Sure. Well, yeah, I guess speaking of Nate Roads, I guess we could jump to that here. Um, so this is released in 2011, eight-year hiatus. Uh, well, eight-year hiatus, eight-year gap between records coming out. It was a four-year hiatus with the band. Um, It just kind of seemed, I guess this whole recording was kind of plagued by issues, it seems, or just delays. Because I think they were touring in 2009. They just didn't record anything until later. Or is this a long, extended recording? Like, oh, we'll record a little bit here, record a little bit there. And they they were recording separately, too, which is weird. Yeah. Not weird, but, like, not the best. It's not Mm -hmm. ideal. Um, So, yeah, as you talked about in the
1: intro... This was what got them back together. They had their producer uh, died, and then there was the plane accident mm-hmm. with Travis and M. Uh, Goldstein. And Travis was in the hospital, uh, and they all kind of reached out and actually got back together speaking. Uh, were like, hey, can we do this thing? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think they make sense to kind of do a reunion tour quick first, I think to get reacquainted with playing each other yeah. with each other thing. Um, so I don't think they started recording immediately because uh, they, like you said, they ended up recording uh, Mark and Travis in uh, San Diego in their studio mm. and uh, Tom recording at his studio in LA and not even like directly collaborating
0: like going through email the engineers engineers like trading hard drive stuff yeah it just seemed really it's not that i know there's a strokes record where they kind of did the separate recording it's just not great like it i think it kind of shows too Mm -hmm. like i don't know so i think it was
1: I mean, they they all grew up together friends but they had they still just weren't able to get over
0: yeah some of
1: that friction and some of the different directions Mm -hmm. that they wanted to go to yeah um and they each brought in different influences to this album too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can hear some of the Angels and Airways oh, yeah. kind of grander stadium rock and uh, almost avant garde styles from Tom, and then Travis is doing some, yeah, some more like hip hop yeah style drum tracks, uh, and then there are a couple from Mark that definitely have a decidedly like indie rock wannabe mm-hmm. flair to them. Yeah,
0: it just kind of seemed like a weird jigsaw puzzle that doesn't quite fit. I don't know. I don't have a lot on this album, personally. Like, it, I listened to it, I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> and, like, seeing some, some interviews from the band afterwards, mainly just, it's the quote a lot, is Travis saying, like, what was even the point of doing this, maybe? Kind of, like, I think the intention was good, but maybe just a tour would have sufficed, and then if Tom just... Slip back off, and then that was it, kind of thing, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if an album was necessary
1: no it I mean, for being a eight year layoff between albums mm-hmm. recording separately i uh, like i I agree with all of what you're saying, but it ended up, I thought it ended up being a pretty valiant mm. effort at a comeback, mm-hmm. um n- not living up to. The untitled hype by any means, um, but there are some good tracks they brought together. Um, Natives kind of has some of that throwback flair to it. Uh, Hearts all gone is is decent. Wishing well is probably the one I really liked mm-hmm. off of this album. Love is Dangerous is one that's definitely got more of like the angels and airwaves feel to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, plus they they brought in kind of all of their own solo project work into this, I think, too. Sure. I was like, Plus 44 was probably the most direct spin off of the Blink 182 sound, but even that had kind of some more of the electronic. Mm. uh notes to it which get brought in here um they did actually put out uh the the five track e p dogs eat dogs following this with mm. tom that was kind of the last tom record uh, tom record which i think uh like those were pretty solid tracks that's a decent e p to listen to yeah um probably a little bit better and a little bit more cohesive than this album was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, you, you could get a hint of the dysfunction that was still there. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much, else, uh, too much else to add for this. So I'm, I'm ready to jump to rankings if, if you're good on this one. Yeah. All right. So, um,
1: yeah, there was, there was still enough there with, uh, the tracks and the sounds that they brought together, I liked to, uh, Put this at number five, just ahead okay. of Cheshire Cat sure. for me. Uh, some throwbacks to some of that original sound, some a little bit more heavier towards the untitled. Um, not not enough to where I would go back and listen to this as a straight-through album sure. very often, mm-hmm. I
0: don't think. but uh, For me, I have this at number eight. I I kind of agree with Travis. It might not have been 100% necessary to do an album. Like, I get there is some... They attempted, which is great. I think, obviously, it would have been better if it worked out and they stayed together, maybe. They would have had... a The next record could have been better if they kind of hatched it out and you're actually like, hey, let's actually get in the studio together and record kind of thing. But, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't seem to work for me. I it, just, the, just the whole disjointed nature of the record just doesn't... It just... Yeah, it just didn't work, mm. so... That's why it fell number eight. So, um,
1: yeah. And I kept up with, uh, with angels and airwaves and plus 44 mm. and all the transplants and everything from blink. And there was enough of all of that, I think in this too, which, yeah. Uh, brought it up a little bit more for me, but okay. I can, I can see, I think there's, I've seen this, uh, in fan rankings all the way from number one to number eight. Number one's Uh, weird. Yeah, that one is, is a little surprising. Um, but yeah, definitely is in the, the bottom half of their albums.
0: Okay. And now we jump to, uh, 2016's release, California. So, uh, before this came out, Tom left the band in 2015, as we mentioned before. And this is the first album with Matt Skyba. I think we, we took a break that won't be recorded, uh, to see how it's pronounced. So uh, yeah, Matt Skybo from Alkaline Trio. And apparently Skybo was like the first and only person considered by Mark to replace Tom. Mm-hmm. I think they had some, they crossed paths in the past, you know, in their past touring or whatever. And I think they wanted to do some kind of project together. So this happened to kind of work out with Tom leaving. He's like, Hey, do you want to come sing for Blink?" Mm-hmm. So um, I think this record, it, it definitely falls back on like, the pop punk sensibilities from their heyday. I don't think it's, I think they're still kind of working out the dynamic of Matt being in the band because it's not Tom. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think Matt is maybe a stronger singer than Tom, but you can't like get rid of the friendship aspect that Tom and Mark had or something like there's a different dynamic there versus a new guy coming into the band and recording songs with them. So Mm -hmm. yes, I kind of feel like they were just kind of, Feeling each other out, sort of, in this record.
1: Yeah, it, uh, I mean, this was tough for me, like continuing on without mm. Tom mm-hmm. and still going under the Blink One Eighty Two name. I would have much preferred if these two albums were just, just a new, completely. yeah, a new. New project. I mean, they could but you know, it doesn't sell text. tickets if you don't call Blink One Eighty Two. Right, think, so. that may have been was. Um, I guess they they wrote like fifty songs mm. prior to selecting the sixteen that they picked on California, and I mean, it's still kind of a weak album. So that tells me one thing about yeah what they're trying to do. But I mean, I I love Alka Line Trio and Matt's work. It just doesn't feel like Blink One Eighty Two to me. Still sure. Um, and yeah, like it's missing that dynamic uh, to me, Mark and Matt, they sound very similar, both vocally and stylistically. Mm-hmm. So there's not that um, not the that kind of back and yeah, forth back and or the, forth. the different sounds that you got when you had Tom. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely they tried to bring back some of the more immer- immature humor and themes. Yeah. With this album and some of the interludes almost felt a little bit forced at times. Mm. Um, but definitely, definitely a reset. Uh, I mean, I, I just said you know it's it's a decent like road trip or driving album to throw on, mm. um, and ultimately, it's it's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the only one standout song that kind of jumped out to me was "She's Out of Her Mind." An example of the pop punk sensibility from their heyday that they kind of recaptured, I guess for this record, but yeah, most of the record is just kind of fine, yeah, and
1: uh do you get West Side Humboldt called out in sober oh really just, uh, just a fl- a <laughs> few blocks from here, yeah, um yeah, I guess that was uh Skybo was a uh bike delivery person in Chicago mm. for a while and uh, I guess was hit by a car. At some point, so that was just kind of him waking up after yeah. getting hit in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, did I have? I, I think. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really write much. I want to say home is such a lonely place. I I kind of enjoyed that one as well.
0: Mm. But
1: otherwise, yeah, there's not much. Not much
0: yeah, here I have got to speak on. Yeah, I generally agree. Um So yeah, for rankings, we'll kind of jump there. I I have this at number seven. I think it's still slightly better than neighborhoods because I feel like they recaptured that pop punk essence a little more. And that's kind of really the only reason why I've elevated it from the last spot, essentially. Um,
1: And that, yeah, this,
0: this is my number eight of what they put together. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, number nine released two years ago in 2019. Um, This, uh, this seems like a safe album still. I think at this point though, this is very radio glossified, friendly pop punk kind of thing. That's they, I think they've kind of worked out the feeling of Matt being in the band more. I think there's definitely a comfort level that's in this one. Um, I do feel like there was some shades of the self titled on this a little bit in terms of the sound. Yeah. It it does have a little bit darker
1: lyricism and themes, uh, and it's it's built more around Travis's drum tracks and more of an mm-hmm. electronic sound in California too, which yeah. I I could see that pulling some notes from on the Untitled. And
0: I think that's why I, I like about it a little bit. I mean, Happy Days or Hungover You, I think, were two of the standout songs that I really enjoy on this. All night, all night. I think in general just that modern production to it with kind of the pop there's it's still it's still the blink sound i guess a little bit it's kind of back to there but there's a lot of modern you know 2019 2020 type production yep. within this record that helped it
1: um yeah I, I think like uh pin the grenade i felt was kind of that that good bridge where it felt like it could have been uh, a mm-hmm. little bit more of their early pop punk stuff but mm-hmm. some of the current sound sensibilities
0: yeah um, yeah I don't have. I mean kind of at the end you're like kind of what you said like this this isn't a core Blink album so it's I I listened to it for what it is I kind of got my feeling I'm like you know what? it's an average album it's fine I enjoyed it but mm-hmm. I guess I'll kind of jump to the rankings here but I will say I liked it a little more than Sheshire Sh- Cat I think just just cleaner okay. production I think so this is I mean this is my number five okay I think just I think the production was a little better and they have the pop punk sounds so like all right it's a little more adult blank mm-hmm. slightly better than Cheshire Cats. So that's kind of why I dropped it at number five.
1: Yeah, I've um I i got it then right on the other side of that at seven. Yeah. I think it, it's definitely one um kind of has the opposite recency bias effect for me. So you know mm. so a lot of times more recent you have four I think this is one that could have benefited from being a little older um, and had some have some more exposure and time to digest it yeah um, and, and might bring it up uh, a little bit more. I think yeah what I had in uh, neighborhoods at five, I could easily see switching those two over time mm. and, and bringing this one up a little bit ahead yeah. of that.
0: Um, so yeah, I think that concludes our uh, includes our rankings or discussion of the Blink album, so we'll do a quick recap here, um, starting from eight and going to one. So at number eight, I had Neighborhoods. That's where I placed California. Number seven is where I had California. Uh, and nine comes in for me. And then number six, we both had Cheshire Cat. And then number five, I had nine. Uh, where I had neighborhoods. And then number four, we both had Dude Ranch. And then number three, for the top three here, we kind of just basically flip our orders around here. I had Take Off Your Pants and Jacket at three. Uh, where mine was Enema of the State in a close number three. <laughs> and then I had the self-titled Blink-182 at number two. Uh, take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And then number one, I had Enema of the State. And uh, Untitled Self-Titled. I mean, obviously that one. <laughs> so... So yeah, this was a, yeah, this was kind of an interesting one to do. And I guess we'll see what the heart what bigger fans think about my rankings by kind of, I feel like when, when I said all over the place, I think the fact that I put nine up in number five, that's in my head. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to like mm-hmm. that aspect to it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's my rankings and I'm sticking to it, except maybe flipping the self-titled six months from now up to number one. We'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, band recommendations uh, For this I don't really have Any specific bands I just say If you Like That pop punk sound At all And you haven't really Delved into it Literally go listen To any band From like 2003 to 2008 Any of their outputs Like Yellow Card Some 41 yeah. I don't even know Taking Back Sunday Just like any of that I don't even know About Taking Back Sunday mm-hmm. But Any any pop punk band MCR All that okay. shit Just go listen to it It's great It's fun I think there's a Spotify playlist I followed I think I still follow. It's called like Power, Pop Punk Powerhouse or something like that. It's got like mm. just all the bangers. And you're like, yes, this is great. <laughs> so definitely check out that stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: um, from, from that same vein, some ones that I kind of forgot about that looking up, I was like, oh man, I need to listen to them again. Uh, Matchbook Romance. They were a little bit more mm. emo-tinged, I would say, okay. at the time. Uh, but the other one, uh, which just, Go back and listen to and do yourself a favor now is Sugar cold.
0: Oh man, I uh, forgot about yeah. that band. They had the one hit, was it memories or something? That, or memory. Yeah, they've yeah. got a couple that yeah. that you'll recognize. I
1: about um, Sugar but as far like looking at current, um trying to match it a little bit more, uh, there are a couple from like the current DIY punk scene. Mm. Um more underground and you know, put out their own tracks that uh I think you'd enjoy listening to uh one is scooped up and uh the other is another astronaut mm. and then for more of the uh you know so well known probably would be a staple on warp tour circuit if that wasn't unofficially uh dead but um neck deep is kind of one of the i think one of the bigger ones seen now yeah and then uh just bring in another chicago band knuckle puck
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard of Knucklepuck. I don't think I've listened to their stuff yet, but nice. Um, anything you'd like to plug here as we wrap up our episode? Uh,
1: yeah, so briefly touched on it
0: earlier uh,
1: with my friend. So, yeah, he was in, uh, involved in a hit-and-run uh, riding his motorcycle back in summer of 2012. Uh, and we're uh, this will, what we're in late April right now, I think this will come out. You'll be hearing this in early June-ish. I'm checking right now. Um, We'll see. this time, But, I mean, we're going to be in the heart of the summer months. It's nice out. Uh, You know, a lot of riders are going to be back out. So this will come out. Well, this will come out May 19th, so. Okay. So, yeah, right around that time. um, You know, just be aware of others on the road, especially motorcycles. Uh, They do not need as long to brake as cars do. Um, I, mean, they're, they're also a lot smaller. So I know most people are used to doing a quick look, looking for a car and their side view mirrors or rear mm-hmm. view mirrors. I may not catch those. So just be aware while you're out on the road. Um, and then also if you're, if you're charity inclined, uh, I would recommend, uh, you know, any like brain trauma charities, mm. um, or just motorcycle awareness in general, um, get that out there. Nice.
0: Um, I'll plug our socials like always you can Follow us on Instagram indexed underscore pod. You can email us at indexpodcast at gmail.com. Um, there will also like always, there'll be a playlist of the songs we mentioned in the show description. And I think other than that, I guess we'll shout out, uh, what were are we drinking today? Revolution. It's a mega hero, double dry hopped IPA. And then also I think probably people are sick of us shilling second city metering, but, uh, we had one of called square your shoulders, which has, uh, currants and chocolate? Yes. I don't remember those what are, color currants mean, but yeah. <laughs>
1: blue is black currant and cocoa nibs.
0: It's very good and um, I think you could find it on or find it in d- certain uh, liquor stores in the city and the suburbs. Just follow them on social media and you could find out where.
1: Made for golf season.
0: Yes, definitely um, for that.
1: And as we predicted with uh, our Run the Jewels episode we we got we definitely were super influential in them doing that local chicago yeah uh,
0: with a city water (laughs) seltzer (laughs) you guys owe us (laughs) um yeah guys so that's about it that wraps up blink 182 here uh tune in next episode where we will index the cars uh so thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next time
1: wayne's world